You'll never guess how many plate appearances the Angels gave to below average players last season. So on today's show, we're going to tell you, and we're going to tell you why this year's offense is much improved over last year's offense. Thank the good Lord. It's time to get Locked On with Mike and John, and this is Locked On Angels. You are Locked On Angels, your daily Los Angeles Angels podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we are so grateful for you making Locked On Angels your first listen every day. Every show is free and available on all platforms like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And the best way to help us out is by giving us a rate and a review. And those watching on YouTube, we're glad that you're here. Please make sure that you're subscribed and click that bell to be notified every time a new episode drops. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. Thanks for being here with us for this episode of Locked On Angels, where it's your team every day. You've got the Frisch Brothers here with you, a.k.a. the Super Halo Bros. My name is John, and that's my brother Mike. And my name is Mike, and that's my brother John. Mike, we're gearing up for spring training and as we do that we're looking ahead to the season ahead that's 2023 and opening day on March 30th against the A's and we're going to talk about the offseason a bit because of the improvements that the Angels have made to the middle of the roster the the meat of the sandwich right that's what we needed we had the bread we had all the toppings we just needed the meat and so we're going to talk about that and we'll share why This offense in 2023 is going to be the better offense, much better than last year. Because surprisingly, (laughs) the pitching was much better last season, and that's long been a struggle. And then suddenly it was the offense. And so in order to do that, we're going to talk about what moves we made this offseason. So let's let's talk about some of those big moves, Johnny. And the first one was one that you actually predicted uh, a few episodes ago. We did a GM episode at the end of the season last year, and you said you'd love to see the Angels sign Tyler Anderson, and then they did. They did it, John. <laughs> a three-year deal worth thirty-nine million dollars. And can we just be honest? Doesn't that deal look like a bargain oh, compared yeah. to all of the contracts that have been handed out, especially pitching contracts? I mean. Gosh, we were like the first dog to 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 bite in the off season, mm-hmm. and we signed Tyler Anderson, and we were like, that feels kind of cheap. I think now we look at it, it really feels like a bargain, especially with the guy that we could potentially get because he had a great year last year. Absolutely, and I think he's going to carry that Dodgers changeup that he worked so hard on last season into the season with the Angels. Even if he regresses some, it's going to be a net positive move. For, for sure. this rotation, absolutely. Hey, then we yeah. traded for Gio Urshela. We sent right-handed pitcher Alejandro Hidalgo to Minnesota, which was a great move because Urshela can play some third, Mike. And mm-hmm. when Anthony Rendon is a question mark for how healthy he's going to be throughout the season, you've got yourself a guy who knows how to play third base. He can also play some second, possibly some shortstop, and maybe even some first base on a day where there's a lefty on the mound and they want to give Jared Walsh a rest against lefties. So I think Gio Rochelle might find himself at first base as well. John, I was really surprised and not as excited about the next trade. But as time has gone on and I've watched 
videos and read articles about Hunter Renfro, mm, mm-hmm. I've actually really grown to like this guy, and I haven't really seen him, pl- obviously haven't seen him play for us yet, but we traded for Hunter Renfro. We sent Jansen, Junk, and some other pitchers to the Brewers, and Renfro is going to play right field for us, which moves Taylor Ward to left field, mm-hmm. and obviously, I think that's going to be a good move for Ward, simply because he played a pretty good right field last year, and we needed somebody consistent in left field that can play all the corners and that low wall and there's a lot of foul territory in left field as well Mm -hmm. so I think that's a good move for him but it's a good move to have Renfro in right because this guy has got a cannon for an arm and we haven't had a really great defensive right fielder since Cole Calhoun and then before that it was really Vlad Guerrero and so to have (laughs) Hunter out there plus to have him and his bat in this lineup somebody who has hit 25 home runs in the last five years I think this guy is going to be an incredible asset offensively and defensively for us. Absolutely. Yeah. Lots of outfield assists to go around from Hunter Renfro. And he's got power, man. He's got power. (laughs) Hey, we signed Carlos Estevez to a two-year deal. He was a piece in the bullpen for the Rockies. He's got the potential to be a closer because of his fastball. But Mike, he's also got some great off-speed stuff that plays much better away from the altitude of the Rocky Mountains. Thought the Rockies would be a little rockier than this. (laughs) And so we'll definitely see some improvement out of Carlos Estevez possibly getting that close down ninth inning spot. I think that would be great. Yeah. Speaking of bullpen pieces, we signed Justin Garza to a one-year deal Mm -hmm. and the likelihood of where he'll play is probably the middle of the bullpen. And then a deal that you, again, predicted, John, was the signing of Brandon Drury. And it was a two-year deal. And the information that we received was that he actually wanted to sign with the Angels last year. And then the Reds came a-calling and he signed with the Reds. And he's taken less money to be here in Anaheim this season because he really wanted to play for the Angels. He can play second base. He can play third base. They've even said that he even said that he'd be up for learning how to play shortstop. He can play some of the corner outfield if needed. And it's really his bat in the lineup that I think that we're going to be really excited about. He had over 20 home runs last year. It was kind of a career year for him. The only question about him is that the end of last season, he kind of tailed off. Mm. And so that's something that we would need to pay attention to as we start 2023. I think it's good to pay attention to it because as you mentioned off air, Phil Nevin mentioned something on Tuesday about players and being involved in the lineup and who's going to start. Would you mention what he said? Phil Nevin uh, said to the media on Tuesday that there's not going to be any charity playing time. People who are going to play need to earn that spot. And so love that. that. Remember, I just said the other day, we got a hard nosed manager in Phil Nevin, and I'm excited to what he's going to bring to the table in 2023. Mike, you made a point about Drury signing with the Reds because they gave him a major league deal last season. And yep. The Angels were likely going to give him a minor league deal. Same kind of thing happened with the next signee. Brett Phillips got signed to a one-year major league deal. Everybody else gave him a minor league deal. He's essentially going to be one of the best defensive replacement pieces for later innings in the outfield. I think that he is such a good outfielder, makes some incredible defensive plays out there. And when he talked to the media, he said that a lot of the stuff that he'd been taught didn't really sink in at the plate. He didn't quite have a grasp on the mechanics that he needed to to follow through with. And so hopefully we have a re-energized Brett Phillips coming into this season. That'd so be great. with these moves, Mike... Get this, the Angels have added 14 points of war, wins above 
replacement. If you add 14 games, potentially 14 winning games to the Halos of last year, they go from 73 wins to 87 wins. Wow. That's right there in the playoff race for a wild card spot. Now that we have an understanding of war that's been added and the players that we've added in the offseason, it's the offense that we want to focus on in this episode. So coming up on Lockdown Angels, how have these offensive moves improved the team? We're going to get to that in just a minute. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000, just download FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe and secure and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to how many three-pointers were made. Plus, FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your first no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. We want to thank you for making Locked On Angels your first listen today. And for your second listen, you got to check out Locked On MLB Prospects with host Lindsey Crosby, who's a prospect encyclopedia. And as you're watching spring training and you're going, who's that guy? I've never seen him before. Well, Lindsey has the answer for your favorite team and all the other MLB teams out there. Check out Locked On MLB Prospects. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Why these offensive moves were necessary, that's what we want to talk about in this segment. And there was a great article from MLB.com that brought clarity as to why Perry needed to make the offensive moves that he made this offseason. John, get this. First, he talks about how the average player in the major leagues holds a two war. Okay. So two points in war. So players like Reese Hoskins and JP Crawford Mm -hmm. were in this range. So they would be considered average players. Mm -hmm. Now a zero war is considered a replacement player. Someone who would fill in for a starter, maybe somebody that's injured or somebody that needs a day off. And then you would take a guy off the bench and then they would fill in for that starter. And it's assumed that a zero war player will not necessarily help your team. Mm -hmm. They might have moments, but they're not going to help your team. They're just filling in, filling a role, giving a guy a day off, whatever the case may be. Now, according to the article, John, the top five teams who gave the most at-bats to a zero-war player were the following. Number one, Washington Nationals, who lost 107 games. Mm -hmm. So now you know why they lost so many games. Number two were the A's. They lost 102 games. Mm -hmm. Three was the Detroit Tigers. They lost 96 games. Four were the Cincinnati Reds. They lost 100 games. And then five were the Pittsburgh Pirates. They lost 100 games. Now, number seven were the Royals. They lost 97 games. And number eight were the Miami Marlins, who lost 93 games. And sitting right in the middle of those 90 and 100 lost teams, teams the Angels, <laughs> our favorite team. They were number six, but Johnny, they 
only lost 89 games. They had the best record of the top nine teams who played the most zero war players last season. Now, these next numbers are extraordinary, John. They're the numbers that help us to understand how many times we had a player who is qualified as a zero war player, so a below average player. These numbers tell us how often they had played appearances. So the Angels ranked 29th in plate appearances of players with a zero war average, players that are below average in the major leagues. Good grief. That's 43% of the team's (laughs) plate appearances in 2022. Johnny, that's Jose Rojas. Right. Juan Lagares. (laughs) Don't remind me. Tyler Wade. Yes. Matt Duffy. Yeah. Andrew Velasquez. Mike Frisch. John Frisch. Like, (laughs) these are... On, on, on Velasquez, <laughs> at least Velasquez had a positive war because of his defense, yes. but at the plate, he yeah. certainly was not a positive contributor there. Yeah, that article from uh, Mike Petriello, MLB.com, such an insightful article. And again, almost half the team at bats were from players not considered average yeah. in the MLB. So time out real quick. Time out real quick. Doesn't all this make sense now? 100%. Why last season was just so terrible? Like now all of the feelings and emotions that we were like, what is happening? Why can't they get it together? Yeah. Why can't they win games? Why did they win four or lose 14 in a row? Right. Now, now we know almost half of the at-bats were from players who shouldn't be in this lineup right. at all. All And so when we were calling for Jose Rojas to get out of there and we were calling for Juan Lagares to get out of there, fans, listen to me, YouTube watchers, those listening on the audio side, you were right. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't have been in there, right? right? Like, right. this is why this team was so bad. On the flip side, the Halos ranked 10th in plate appearances by players with war of three plus. So yeah. at least there's a positive there, right? Yeah. But if you consider who we've added, versus the net positive war players. I think that we're in pretty good shape. But here's the thing. For the Angels last season, there was no such thing as a a quote-unquote middle class, right? Right. There was no, like I said, there was no meat in the sandwich. It was all or nothing. You either had Mike Trout or you had Juan Lagares in the outfield. You had Anthony Rendon or you had Jose Rojas at third base. There was no in-between. And that's why GMPM, our boy Perry Manassian made the moves that he did and didn't get any of those big name free agents because they needed to spread the wealth throughout the roster. Are there moves that could be made still? Of course, right? There's always moves to improve your team no matter what. But as far as this offense compares to last year, well, we're going to talk about how those moves have improved the Angels coming up. So here's how those moves improved the Angels, specifically offensively. John, according to the article on MLB.com, if the Halos removed 1,250 plate appearances Mm -hmm. of these below average players with an average player, not even above average player, not even a Trout or an Otani, but just an average player, then they actually enter the ranks of a playoff team. Hmm. I mean, how remarkable is that? We would have been a playoff team if we just changed 1,250 at-bats and actually had just an average player at the plate competing for us. Right, right. That is frustrating, (laughs) right? (laughs) But it also makes sense why we made the moves that we made. Essentially, we had to replace four players offensively, the shortstop, the left field, first baseman, and the catcher, and... 
GNPM essentially did that with the moves he made this last offseason. Yeah, you got Renfro to play right field, and essentially that's going to move Taylor Ward to left field. So really, if you think about the fact that Renfro is stepping into Taylor Ward's spot, which was already a, a net positive, but then yeah. Ward moving over to left is going to increase the productivity out of left field. And I know we're talking offense, but I think defensively, I think Taylor Ward's going to play that left field a lot better than he played the right field. Agreed. He'll you know keep him away from running into the wall, which we don't want to see again. Uh, with signing no. Drury and Urshela, the shortstop position can be filled by Fletcher or Renhifo, right? And yes, they aren't the flashy shortstops that were out there, but Renhifo took a step forward last season. You and I think Fletcher can get back to those 2019 numbers now that he's fully healthy again. At the very least, he's a great glove and he moves runners over with a slap hit or a ground out right, like he's still getting productive outs and he's not striking out either. Also with Urshela and Drury, we have a quality backup if Walsh can't play or there's a lefty on the mound, right? You could see Walsh at first base against righties, but since he struggled a bit against lefties, you have capable backups in Urshela and Drury. And there's even talk of possibly Walsh in the outfield from time to time, which I thought was interesting as well. The yeah. only position that's needed, Mike, is catcher. And we're kind of in a bit of a conundrum thinking about, all right, Stassi is for sure going to be there because he's the veteran, because they're paying him, and he catches Otani most starts, right? So that is something to consider. Does he bounce back, or do they need to add somebody like a Gary Sanchez? Are they going to roll with Logan Ohapi? Are they going to roll with Matt Theis? Or how you mentioned it, you were watching the other day in spring training, Chad Wallach may be a good backup. I'm concerned about catcher. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm concerned about it too. I I wonder if for Stassi last season, if this was just a case of he's in a situation as a really healthy piece of fruit, but he got laid next to a lot of really like old pieces of fruit, like a lot of moldy pieces of fruit. <laughs> okay. And then he just got influenced by that, right? Because it just it felt like the whole team was falling apart. And I think it was twenty it was twenty twenty one. You and I've talked a lot about how Fletcher was kind of playing out of his shoes. He was kind kind of playing yeah. above his head. And I wonder if Stassi kind of felt that way too after coming off a really great 2021 hmm. season. Okay. And maybe perhaps he's like, oh, I'm a home run hitter now, so this is fantastic. And then he <laughs> ended up striking out a whole bunch, yeah. right? And we were all kind of shocked by that and wondering what happened. I think with the coaching that the Angels have around him, perhaps he does bounce back. And really, he doesn't even have to really have a huge bounce back. He could just, if he's just an average player, he puts up better numbers than he put up last season. Right. We, we also talked about this last year, that it probably would have been really easy if everybody stayed healthy to hide Andrew Velasquez mm -hmm. at shortstop and mm -hmm. hide his bat in the lineup. I, I think the same is true of Stassi. If everybody's healthy... I think you can kind of hide his bat in the lineup, although I don't think you want to do that. Yeah. I think you want to be effective at each spot in the lineup. Sure. And if Stassi does bounce back, even just a little bit, then I think that you've achieved that success. I'd like to see a move here. I think a Gary Sanchez might be a really smart move. I don't know if you want to go with Stassi and Thice. I have argued, as you mentioned, like Stassi and Wallach, but both of them aren't going to bring a huge bat to the lineup. But Gary Sanchez can. He can hit mm -hmm. 20 to 30 home runs, he is an offensive threat. And I think that if you're going to platoon this role, both of those guys could fill that role really well. It's especially important to not gloss over the fact, I know we got hung up talking on, on catcher, but again, 
1,250 plate appearances were given to below average hitters last yeah. season. And when you add Drury, Urshela, Renfro, move Taylor Ward to left to take up the left field spot, you have greatly improved this team. You yeah. saw Renjifo take a step forward. Like I said, David Fletcher can get back to hitting well and, and getting back to the numbers that we're used to seeing. The role player, right? Not the outstanding, going to hit 20 home runs kind of guy up the middle, but he'll be the Eckstein, the uh, <laughs> the Meiser Asturias, right? The Adam Kennedy, he'll be yeah. that kind of player. And here's the thing. This team's offense is so much better because of the moves that Perry Manassian made this offseason. He made sure, again, the middle of that sandwich had plenty of meat on it, right? They're yep. not skimping at the Jersey Mike's or the Subway. They're they're filling up your sandwich. And, and it's this kind of team that can help get the Halos to the playoffs because they're not giving away free at-bats. They're not doing charity at-bats. They're not giving playing time as a charity. If you want to play on this team, you got to produce, and I think that's what Perry Manassian has done, and I'm thinking that that's how Phil Nevin is going to run this team in 2023. Well, thanks for making Locked On Angels your first listen every day. Now make your second listen to Locked On MLB Prospect Show. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow, and his podcast is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to give us a follow at Lockdown Angels on Twitter to keep up with everything regarding the show and our Halos. Of course, you can follow us at Super Halo Bros on Twitter and Instagram. Mike, what do we have on deck for tomorrow's show? Well, Fangraphs came out with some projections as to where teams will finish the 2023 season. And included in those projections are our beloved Halos. So we're going to see where they predicted they will finish. And is it enough to get a playoff spot? And most importantly, is it enough to convince Otani to stay? That's ah. tomorrow on Locked on Angels. We hope you'll join us again for that conversation. In the meantime, my name is John, and that's my brother, Mike. And my name is Mike, and that's my brother, John. That's going to be it for this episode of Locked on Angels, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow.